This morning's passage is from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Thanks, Joanna. Good job, girls' choir. I look forward to the the boys' choir at some point. I'm sure it'll be just, it won't be as good. (laughs) You know it, guys, you know it. I know it. Well, once again, welcome to Orphan Sunday at Grace Church. Uh, This year, uh, you've heard in a few different ways, uh, a few different times, uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans, who is the larger ministry that, I don't know what you would call it, they sort of, um, they're sort of the caretakers for Orphan Sunday. They they promote it and pick a theme and put resources out. Uh, they've chosen, this is my paraphrase of their theme, collaboration for the cause of the fatherless. And so the idea is is pretty simple. They're, the simple point they're trying to make is that caring for orphans in the fullest possible way is always involves uh, many people working together. That's the simplest way to say that. Well, as Christians, of course, we know better than anyone the, necess- the necessity of collaboration. For to be a Christian, I didn't, I didn't get this when I first became a Christian, and so I don't assume every one of you in this room understands this right now. It, it's basic to Christianity, but it's not, it's not as commonly understood as I wish it were. So hopefully this morning we'll fix that. So to be a Christian is to be saved by God into a body, into a people, into a community. We, we talk a lot as Americans of all kinds of individualistic things, and there certainly are individual aspects of our Christian faith. But far more than that in the Bible, far more than you and Jesus, is you and the people of God brought to God by Jesus, the body of Christ, where every part needs every other part to properly function. And so I hope to help you to see that more clearly and embrace it more fully 
as we look together at 1 Corinthians 12. That is, I hope to help you to see all of that in a way that is even more, to help you to see that, that that is even more effective and essential than you ever realized. That Here it is, that orphan care is for the church. I hope to help you to see, I said that funny, let me say that again. I hope to help you see that in a way that is even more effective and essential than you probably thought, orphan care is for the church, for us collectively, not for any one individual. So to properly ground that claim, that might sound fine, but we at Grace Church believe God's word is the standard for all things. And so to properly ground that claim in the word of God, three main points. God, I want, I want to help you to see from the Bible, God and orphans, Christians in general and orphans, and thirdly, and most importantly, the church and orphans. I, I've done the first two a lot in previous years. And I have links that you can click on in the manuscript to read those other sermons. And so I'm going to go quickly through the first two points and focus mostly on the third, the church and orphans. And here's the big idea. If you need one thing to hang the rest of this on, here it is. God cares for orphans. God calls Christians to care for orphans. And Christians care best for orphans within the church. That's the sentence right there. Say it again. Everything else hangs on this. God cares for orphans. God calls or even commands Christians to care for orphans. And Christians obey God and care best for orphans within the church, the body of Christ, the fellowship of the saints. Let's pray that the Spirit would make all three clear and compelling to us collectively this morning. God, thank you once again for your word. Thank you that you, you, <laughs> you care for the fatherless. You care for the orphan. You care for the widow and the sojourner and the sick and the broken and the humble. And you call us to as well. And we can only do that well in the context of a people, this people. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here it is again. God cares for orphans. God calls Christians to care for orphans. And Christians care best for orphans within the church. So I want to I wanna begin by looking more closely at that first clause, God cares for orphans. I hope to help you to see that that's the foundation, even though I'm going through it quickly. It's the foundation for everything that follows. Um, and to help you see that more plainly, I'm going to, I don't know where Kyle went, but I'm going to steal from Kyle. Uh, Kyle told us last Sunday, and every time he preaches on the Psalms, I wrote this down. He urged us to recognize the God designed reality, and here's to quote Kyle, God-exalting feelings are rooted in powerful God-revealed truths. And I'm going to add a third component to that that I know Kyle agrees with as well. God-honoring action always flows from those two things. So God-honoring feelings always flow from God-honoring truths, and both of those things are what lead to God-honoring actions. Genuine truth leads to proper feelings, which leads to right action. That's a universal reality. Given that, we're right to ask what truths define God's understanding of orphans. What feelings does God have in light of those truth, truths towards orphans? And what actions then, specific actions, does God take for orphans in light of those truths and those feelings? So what is the truth about God and orphans? Here's a quick ethics lesson, because I know y'all came eager for one of those. 
Okay, this is a this this is important. It is a simple but profound reality that all morality is rooted in God's nature. That's a big deal. It's probably more of a big deal. You know that right now than ever in the in, in your entire life. That idea is becoming less and less favorable, less and less understood. All morality is rooted in God's nature, who he is. Okay, let me explain that just a little bit. Unpacking that entirely is another sermon for another day, but let me say this. I think you might have heard some of these before. Lying is wrong. Get this, Grace Church. Kids, you know this. Don't tell lies. The question is, why is lying wrong? I bet a lot of you would say because the Bible says it's wrong. That's wrong. Lying is wrong not because the Bible says it's wrong or because society determines it, which is what you hear most today, but because, get this, God is truth. It's rooted in his very nature. Okay, let me give you another example. Murder is wrong not because the Bible says it's wrong or because voters voted for it to be illegal, but because God is life and justice. Okay, one more. Idolatry is wrong, not because the Bible says it is or because culture prefers a specific God, but because God is the one triune and true God. The Bible says those things because God is those things, and God is those things whether any culture or group of people understand that or not. There's your ethics lesson. Okay, what does that have to do with this? I'll tell you. Orphan care is right, then, not because the Bible says it is, or because certain people, like the Christian Alliance for Orphans or Together for Good, or any of you guys, the orphan, orphan care team at Grace Church, not because of any of those things, but because God is Father. That's a big deal. In other words, the first truth to see, and the foundation for all the other things we'll cover today, is that all God-honoring orphan care is rooted in the fact that God is, as part of his very nature, father to the fatherless. One simple passage that makes that clear is Psalm 68, 4 and 5. Sing to the Lord, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exalt before him. So all the greatness of God right now is just been... We just sang about that in, in Psalm 68, 4. But what does that mean practically? 68.5. He is the father to the fatherless in his holy habitation. That's the first and main truth to see. Orphan care is right, not because the Bible says it is or because certain people are burdened for it, but because God is father to the fatherless. It's rooted in his nature. Here's the second main truth relating to God and orphans. By God's design, physical orphan care is a picture of spiritual orphan care. God cares for physical orphans in part to provide a clear living picture of his care for spiritual orphans. Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him, in Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. And in that is the great news. In love, therefore, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Again, the two most central 
truths concerning God and orphans are these. Number one, God is father to the fatherless. And two, this serves, his doing so, serves as a picture of the gospel. Those two truths drive God's feelings and his actions and are the basis for ours as well. We'll never be able to provide the best possible care for orphans, the kind we're called to, if we don't begin there. So how does God feel then about orphans? Quickly, briefly, two main things, and they are the things that any, any good father would feel towards his children when they're in hardship, physical hardship or spiritual hardship, namely love and compassion. Write that down, love and compassion. We see this in passages like Deuteronomy 10. For the Lord, your God, is the God of God, God's and Lord of Lords. Again, I love how each of these begin with the greatness of God. They they establish what God is about to say about the weak and the vulnerable by first establishing the greatness of God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. He is not partial, and he takes no bribes. And here you go. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the sojourner, giving food and clothing. For God, the orphan, the widow, and the sojourner, someone far away from their home or even homeless, are all in the same category, and they're all together a lot in the Bible. And that is the category of those who are vulnerable, those who are particularly vulnerable, those who do not have normal means of protecting and providing for themselves, who are most likely to be exploited. God has a particular love for them. And God has a particular fatherly love for them. In addition, in that, or as an expression of that, he's filled with compassion and mercy. Hosea 14 says, In God the orphan finds mercy and the compassion of God. Likewise, in both of these, love and compassion, they're clearly seen in God's heart for the spiritual orphan as well. What is true for the physical orphans that God cares for find their fullness of expression in his care for spiritual orphans. First John, see what kind of love the Father has given us. You know what it is? It's that we should be called children of God. And so we are. He, he adopts us spiritually due to his love and compassion for us. Are you tracking, Grace? Are you with me? It is eternally true that God is father to the fatherless and that physical orphan care is a picture of spiritual orphan care. Those are truths about God and orphans. Therefore, God is eternally filled with love and compassion for the physically and spiritually fatherless. Well, what does he do then in light of these truths and these feelings? The holy truth and feelings of God regarding the orphan lead to holy actions. But what are they? I'm going to share just a few passages that answer that question. Psalm 146.9, the Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. He watches over and upholds. Psalm 10.14, you have been a helper to the fatherless. God continually helps, provides real help to the fatherless. God Continually does it. Psalm ten seventeen. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed. God listens to, strengthens, protects, and does justice. And of course, for the spiritual 
orphan. And maybe the most famous passage of all, John 3.16, we see that God's main action was to send his son to atone for the sins and give life and family and belonging and hope to the spiritual orphan. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's more. There's more truth. There's more feelings. There's more actions of God regarding the orphan. But these are the heart of each. So what does that mean for us? That was quick. I know this is quicker still. What does that mean for us, for Christians, for the people of God who have been adopted by God into the family of God? What are the right things we're to believe? What are the right things we're to feel? What are the right things we're to do in light of these things? Well, the primary truth concerning Christians and orphans is that we were all spiritual orphans on account of our sin. Everything else we need to know about our role, just like everything else we need to know about God comes from the fact that he is father to the fatherless, and everything flows out of that. Everything that flows out of our care for orphans flows out of the fact that we were all spiritual orphans in our sin. All of it finds purchase in the fact that adoption, our adoption, into the family of God is at the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Again, consider Paul's words in Ephesians 1. In love, he predestined us for what? For adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Be be amazed by that grace. Be amazed by that in every way, that you were an orphan, helpless and hopeless, worse than any physical orphan has ever been in relation to God. But in love, he predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ. Sin severed our union with God. Sin made us fatherless with respect to God. But God caused his son to die as a ransom for our sins and he caused his Holy Spirit to fall on us to bring us life and forgiveness and adoption. By grace, through faith, God welcomes us into his family as we say every Sunday in our exhortation, our assurance of pardon. By grace through faith, God welcomes us into his family as his true sons and daughters. Being a Christian means realizing you had no hope on your own. You had no home on your own spiritually. Being a Christian means that you've been adopted. That's the first key truth. And the second concerning Christians and care for orphans is that as a result of our own spiritual orphanness and then adoption, and as an expression of it, Get this, caring for orphans is a mark, James says, of our conversion. How how are you saved? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. How do you know if you've received the grace of God and that your faith is real? James wrote James largely to answer that question. 1 John wrote 1 John largely to answer that question. And James says this, religion that is pure and undefiled or faith that is real before God the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction. In the context of this passage, again, James was trying to help his readers distinguish between real, genuine, saving faith and the counterfeit versions that were all around. And central to his answer is that when you understand that you were saved yourself, that you were adopted by God yourself as a spiritual orphan, you must then care for orphans. Paul says it a little differently in Romans. He says, I am a debtor to the wise and to the foolish, to the Greek and to the barbarian. Why is he a debtor? And the answer is because of the grace that he received. 
It's the same argument in a different form. Because of the adoption we received, we care for those who need still to be adopted. That's awesome. Hear that, Grace Church. If that's the truth, the two truths that we're meant to believe, how are we meant to feel? Godly people share God's feelings with respect to the fatherless. Love and compassion are chief among them. We see in passages like Zephaniah 9, or 7, 9 and 10, that in addition to that, God calls us to feel a sense of kindness or benevolence towards them. Mercy. Listen to these words. Thus says the Lord of hosts, render true judgments. That's something to do. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the fatherless and let no one devise evil against another in your heart. In light of these truths flowing out of these feelings, what do we do, Grace Church? That's a, in many ways where we're going with Orphan Sunday. What do we do? What, what, what differences that need to make in our lives? If that's what we are meant to believe and feel, rooted in what God believes and is and feels and does, what do we do? Indeed, as we just saw in James 1, as Christians, we cannot not act as God calls us to and, and truly understand and believe and receive and have faith in the gospel. A good summary of the kind of actions God calls us to is found in Isaiah 1.17. Grace, learn to do good. Learn to do good. Learn to seek justice. Learn to correct oppression. Learn to bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Do good. Seek. and Work to bring justice. Correct oppression. Plead the cause. There are many other passages that speak to orphan care, but they all fall fairly neatly under one of those four banners. Well, because we are all spiritual orphans, or we're all spiritual orphans, and because a mark of true conversion is orphan care, God's people feel love and compassion and kindness and warmth towards orphans as Jesus sanctifies us and makes us more like him. And because we believe and feel these things, we act continually for their good. All right, that I've spent a lot of time in previous weeks on that. I know that's or previous years. I know that's pretty quick, but the, all that gets us to this, the main thrust of the sermon, the main text of the sermon. And that's this. Christians honor God and care best for orphans when we do so within the context of the local church. When we grasp God, God's thoughts, feelings, and actions towards orphans, as well as the thoughts, feelings, and actions he calls us to as Christians, we're left with a clear understanding. If you get any of that, your first thought is, whoa, <laughs> I don't know if I can do any of that. that that's hard. That's a lot. That, that's a big deal. That's, that feels so far past what I feel like I have to offer on my own. And then you're starting to get it. <laughs> you're right. You need the Holy Spirit's help first. But God never, never made you or gave you to do that on your own. He gave you to do that here with us with this people, and so many at Grace Church, including our family, has felt that deeply. We've experienced that in profound ways. Like the Nelsons told us this morning, there is no way any of this, financially or physically or emotionally or knowledgeably, have enough knowledge, that's what I meant. You don't have enough knowledge. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to look. You can't, when when you need help with babysitting and you can't do it on your own, and the good news is you weren't meant to do it on your own. And so again, our passage for this morning helps us to see that. 1 Corinthians 12, 
12 through 26. It's a general principle about all that God requires, but it has specific applications for us this morning. Three main things from it. Number one, orphan care is for the church. Number two, each person within the church plays a critical role for orphan care that is for the church. And three, the church cares well or poorly for orphans together. No one person does it and gets glory and honor, or does it poorly and gets shame or or difficulty. All of us together experience both together. So here are the three points again. Orphan care is for the church, number one. The charge to think, feel, and care well for orphans is not given by God to any individual but the church. Of course, this will mean individuals doing specific things, but always as a part of a larger body. Grace, that's more profound than you realize. That's the Christian life in ways that none of us really grasp. 1 Corinthians 12.12 says, For just as, the one, just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Listen to this. When it comes to tying shoes, kids, look at your shoes. Well, a lot of you have like Velcro and boots and stuff, but... Look to somebody who has shoelaces. Look at them, all right? Think about that for a minute. And if I say to you, I need you to tie those things, the first thing that probably comes to your mind are your fingers. You use your fingers, I think. Does anyone not? I think you all use your fingers. You use your fingers to tie your shoes. Indeed, I think you need fingers to do this. Otherwise, I don't know how you would do it. If your fingers aren't working, your shoes can't be tied. They play a specific and critical function in shoe tying. This is profound, I know. You didn't know you were going to get this depth of insight at Grace Church this morning. But here's the the key, and I imagine you already know where I'm going. At the same time, however, fingers only ever work as part of the whole body. If your fingers aren't attached to your hands, they can't function. There's There's no hand, there's nothing for them to be attached to. Well, keep keep going, right? Keep working working your way up. If there's no arm, there's nothing to steer the hand and the fingers toward the foot. No torso, no arms. This is, you know, this is hard to get, I know, but, you know, all right, we'll keep going. If there's no arm, there's nothing to steer the hand, no torso, no arms, no head, no, no way to consider, no legs. If you don't have legs, you don't have feet, and if there's no foot, what do you need shoelaces for? Right? All right, that's the end of this profound stuff. But here's where you know, what you all know. When any part of the body functions, in other words, for the fingers to tie the shoes, even though the fingers and this particular operation are most directly responsible, they always do that as a part of the body as a whole. So the main point is that most, the, the most God-honoring orphan care cannot happen. Like, it actually cannot happen apart from the church. When any individual seeks to care for orphans, he or she necessarily does so. You do so as part of the body because you can't not be a part of the body if you're a Christian. Don't try to do it on your own grace because you can't. You ontologically can't, as in your very nature, in your being, it's impossible. And you physically can't. The things that God requires of you, you do not have the ability to do them on your own. Orphan care is for the church. Here's the second aspect of this one. Each person in the church plays a critical role in orphan care. Sounds a lot like the last one, and there's some overlap, but the main point that I'm trying to make is distinct. The last point was that when any one part of the body functions, it has to do so as a part of the whole body. The point I'm trying to make here, more specifically, 
is that each part of the body has specific functions to perform whenever the rest of the body does anything else. The second principle is the main thrust of the passage this morning. And within it, two things, two subpoints. I know you love that. First, listen to this. Half of you need to hear this, half of you need to hear the second point. Here's the first half. Having a hard time believing that you play a critical role in orphan care does not change the fact that you do. Half of you really need to hear that. Half of you are feeling like, what What can I do? What do I do? I, I don't feel like I'm ever doing enough. I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer, anything to give. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. Just because you don't feel like you have a really prominent or profound role in orphan care doesn't mean you don't. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, which Gabby rightly chuckled at, picture that, one an eye is the whole body. That's goofy. Kids are better at seeing the goofiness of that than we are as adults. But if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? And if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. If you're a Christian, you're part of the church. And if you're a part of the church, God designed you and gifted you to fulfill an important role within it. All of his commands are meant to be obeyed by the body. And each of us sometimes has a more specific role. I play a preaching role that most of you don't. Some of you play a financial role that most of the rest of us don't. These girls sing beautifully in a way that you boys don't, right? You get the idea. But we're all doing this together as one body. Your essential role in orphan care might not be immediately obvious, but that does not nullify the word of God or change the fact that you have one. Settle on that, Grace. While fostering or adopting kids tends to get sort of all the glory, like fingers and tying shoelaces, Doing so well cannot happen without lots of godly people working in lots of godly ways, many of which are never seen by other people. We don't see the person who's given to pray quietly at home or to give financially when the offering is passed and to earmark something for the orphan fund or the whatever it's called. Meals, you don't see it usually when somebody brings meals to people caring for kids or kids. We need you to play with the kids and wisdom and babysitting and warmth. Jack's silly jokes in the back create a warm environment that is welcoming to to people to host and bring uh, orphans into our home and into our church. Parents and kids, without these things, who have to function without all these tools, can't do what God has said in the fullness of how he has said it. Does that make sense? God has given many tools to accomplish his purposes, and they all exist within the body. And when the different tools, the different people, the different when we're not using our individual gifts, it makes a hard situation even harder. So being behind the scenes, a behind-the-scenes prayer warrior, or simply a warm face at the church... By doing that, this greeting a foster or adoptive family is no less a part of orphan care than any other part. This principle isn't unique to orphan care, but it's especially important for it. Again, first, 
having a hard time believing that you play a critical role in orphan care doesn't change the fact that you do. And here's second, the other half of you need to hear this. Believing that you don't need the rest of the body doesn't change the fact that you do. So half of you are humble proud and half of you are proud proud. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. What good does it do to see something if you can't do anything about what you see? Like picture, you know, the paper airplane flying at you. You got just an eye. It's coming right at you, but you you can't swat it, right? I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, Grace. While some struggle to believe they have anything to offer, others struggle to believe that anyone but them has anything to offer. You're both messed up. The second group feels like they can do it on their own. They might feel like others slow them down. God's word makes it clear that both are wrong and destructive. According to God, God's gifting, you might be competent to do a lot of the things that God requires us to do for the orphan. However, by God's design, you can't do everything he requires. You weren't designed to. No one has every gift that an orphan needs. You might, you might have, proud, proud people, you might have shrunk orphan care down, like you redefine the job description. You might have shrunk it down enough in your own mind to be able to do all that you think needs to be done, but we don't decide what an orphan needs. God does. Consider again the four basic commands of God regarding the fatherless. Do good, seek and bring justice. Correct oppression and plead their cause. No one can do all of those things on their own. For instance, God means orphans, in the most basic sense, God means orphans to grow up in a healthy community. You can't have a healthy community by yourself. God means orphans to have a place to use their gifts to strengthen the church. You need other people to do that. God means orphans to be strengthened by using their gifts. You need other people for them to do that with. Finally, 1 Corinthians 12, 26 teaches that the church, that churches care well or poorly for orphans together. When we do well, we all do well. And when we do poorly, we all do poorly. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Grace, we do well to focus on this. You might not be at a place right now to adopt or foster by yourself. But by coming here, Coming to Grace Church, being a part of our church, praying, giving financially, helping others grow in Christ, you are truly participating in orphan care. Believe that. Therefore, whatever good any one of us does for a particular child, all of us are doing together. We share in that. We rejoice in that honor and share in that honor. Likewise, whatever suffering any of us endures in our orphan care or lack thereof, We all share in that as well. We need to admonish and encourage and strengthen one another for this charge of God. Where one of us honors God as a body in this way or in any godly way, all of us do so as well. That's part of what makes a church a church. So here's the conclusion and the summary. Orphan care is right and good ultimately because God is father to the fatherless. What's more, God is father to the physically fatherless as an expression of the gospel. Along with that, God is filled with compassion and love for the orphan and works continually to protect and provide for them. Because of that, who God is and what he thinks and feels and does, God calls his people to join him in living and believing what's true, feeling what's right, and doing what's good. Christians, therefore, understand ourselves to have been spiritual orphans apart from Christ and that caring for physical orphans is part of how we know we've been truly adopted by God. 
We too are to be filled with love and compassion and give ourselves to God's commands to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, and plead the cause of the fatherless. And finally, the main focus of the sermon is on the fact that as all of this is lived out in a manner, all of this is lived out in a manner most consistent with God's word, most effectively for God's purposes, and most significantly in glorifying God when it is done in a context of the church. Amen. This is because one aspect of what families need most is community. This is because one aspect of what a fatherless child needs most is community. And because all of what families need most is given through community. That may be the most profound thing I've said in a month. I hope, I hope all of this is clear. I hope it's plain that it's biblical and not Davical. I hope that all, as a result, you're all thinking, what can I do? Okay, I'm with you. I believe you. I believe that's who God is. That's what he thinks, feels, and does. I believe that's what you've called me to. And I believe that's best done in the context of the church. So what do I do? Watch this video. We believe in the power of collaboration to affect change. We believe Orphan Sunday has the ability to bring churches, organizations, and community partners together and unique and powerful words. We want everyone to have the opportunity to be. Better together for vulnerable children and families. God's word exemplifies that James 1.27 is best fulfilled in community. We are truly better together. Ten ways the Christian can care for the orphan. Pray for them. Speak up for them. Provide for their needs. Support those who support them. Protect them from food. Visit them where they are. Give sacrificially to them. Encourage them to press on. Adopt them into your family. Mobilize your church for them. We invite you to ask God today how you might be. Part of that community. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will.